You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and this is a conversation with Spencer Pruitt. Spencer is the extraordinary drummer in Canadian tech death superstars Archspire. The reason for the conversation is to promote Archspire's upcoming tour of Australia in August alongside Psychroptic and Haddle Moore. I'll read out some dates quickly. August the 16th, they're playing in Brisbane. On the 17th, they're playing in Sydney. On the 18th, it's in Melbourne. The 19th in Canberra. The 24th, they're playing in Hobart. The 25th, it's in Adelaide. And finally, they're making it to Perth on the 26th. So let's have a listen to what he has to say. This is a good one. Here we go. How are you? Good, how you doing? Good, mate. How, what's been happening in the world of the uh, Lightspeed God of Heavy Metal Thunder, as I'm going to christen you for the sake of our discussion? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we've been, we've been pretty busy. We've been home for about three months now off the road, so we've been writing three, three nights a week, getting together and writing. Um, but we're about to take off on uh, Friday, two days from now, and we have a three-week Canadian tour. Uh, and then Sweet. we're back for 10 days, and then we head down to Australia. Who's that with? Who's the Canadian tour with? Uh, let me pull it up. We have uh, Sarah Longfield, uh, we have the Kennedy Vale, and we have First Fragment. Okay, can't say I've heard of them, but I've definitely heard of you guys, that's for sure, because I don't know where to start, mate, with your drumming, because uh, a lot of my conversation will be about your drumming, because I'm also a musician, although I play disco, funk, and, and a lot of pop music, to be honest, mate, but my interest lies <laughs> in heavy metal. But I, you're one of those musicians who I struggle to get my head around how you do what you do, so I don't, as I, that's, where I'm, that's where I'm struggling to know where to start. So why don't I ask this, mate, what inspired you to play so quickly? Because I've watched your YouTube videos, and they're, they're insane. You've got a, a physicality and a technicality that... <laughs> I haven't seen in any other drummer except for perhaps Tim Young and um, Pete Sandoval in Morbid Angel. Sure. Uh, well, that's a nice compliment. Thank you. Um, I, uh, I mean, I, I became sort of obsessed with speed drumming when I was like maybe seventeen. When I first started really practicing, mm-hmm. I, had, I had a drum kit when I was like eight, but I didn't, I didn't give a shit. And it wasn't until I discovered extreme metal till I decided to start playing every day um but i remember uh, i lived in a small town called victoria on vancouver island and we were pretty secluded we never had any metal shows yeah, my come sister through. you bought this might sound uh, a bit of serendipity okay but my sister-in-law she doesn't live there but she works for a trucking company in canada who sends trucks over there all the time so i actually know it not well but she talks about it quite a bit okay so yeah, it's a beautiful place. It's a really big island, but the population is very small. It's only mm-hmm. about three hundred thousand people on it. So that's that's where I grew up, and um, I remember going to my first real metal show, and it was Cryptopsy was in town. I had fake ID. I was like eighteen at the time, or seventeen, <laughs> and um, I went and watched them play. And I had been getting into blast beats a little bit, but I remember standing sort of side stage and watching Flow play, and it just I mean, I I couldn't wrap my head around it. It was so mind-boggling how fast it was and crazy it was. And um, I didn't, I never even thought that you could do something like that and it, with music. Um, mm. So uh, I became absolutely obsessed. I remember walking to high school every morning and back, and I couldn't think about anything else except for watching <laughs> watching that guy's set. Um, so I just started practicing and practicing. And yep. I mean, music is... Uh, 
Yeah, everybody sort of has people who like extreme music. Everybody sort of has the same logical progression to it. They they start off with lighter shit, which at the time they think is really heavy. It becomes normal. You become desensitized, and then you find something even heavier or faster or crazier. Mm. And you know, you move in these incremental steps. And uh, yeah, I just I remember like listening to the Dillinger Escape Plan, Calculating Infinity oh, yeah. album, and just being yeah. like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> Um, so, and I love the intensity of it. Um, so yeah, that, that's just always been with me. And so I always, I always practiced extreme techniques and, uh, you know, extreme fills and, um, and now the way that it's evolved with writing shit for Artspire, it's, uh, it's, it is, it's really physically demanding. So, yeah. um, there's so much more that comes with just the practicing that there's, eating properly, there's, you know, strength training, there's cardio training. I try to jog three, three, three days a week. Um, so you basically have to, you know, you can't How smoke. How do you cope with, <laughs> yeah, no, that was, you've actually read my mind in terms of what a line of questioning was going to be because it's enormously physical what you're doing. And yeah. touring is enormously physical as well. So you've got two things there yeah. when you're traveling with a band. So how do you cope? Because there's a lot of temptations to drink, to smoke, to party, to go on and live it up a little bit, but I imagine that's for the most part off limits for you. I've never touched drugs, um, you know. Uh, we don't. We don't, we have sort of a rule when we started the band is that nobody was allowed to be into drugs. I mean, we don't care if you smoke pot, but uh, you know, we don't want people doing blow or smoking crack. Yeah. So um, we. Uh, so that's never been a, a temptation for me. But um, I, my my philosophy is I. I if I know a tour is coming up, like for example, we're leaving this week for tour. Um, the last two weeks, I've been busting my ass physically training every day, making sure I get up and do it. Hmm. And uh, I leave on tour in great shape, and it still takes a week for your brain and your body to go, "Oh, I can just play this super comfortably now." Um, okay. And by the time you're in that second week, you your brain is warmed up enough to take over for the unhealthiness of the, <laughs> of sitting in a fucking van for eight hours a day oh, yeah. and eating shitty food. Yeah. So, yeah, that so, makes yeah, sense. It just happens. Yeah. yeah. So you've, I think you've played Australia before, am I correct? No, never. I've never been to Australia. None of us have been down there. Okay. What do you anticipate the shows are going to be like? Because I know you've got fans here. People are actually, you're playing with Psychroptic, who of course are probably our equivalent yeah. of what you guys do. But you must know yeah. that you're an anticipated touring band in Australia. So we um, have toured in Europe, and we've toured a lot in North America, uh, Mexico, and the U.S. and Canada, and, and we just recently did Japan, uh, and uh, well, excluding Japan, but those are markets that we, you know, sort of put time into, and had, you know, in North America we had to build a fan base. We've never been to Australia before, and the reaction we've been getting from the tour now since the tour announcement has been very surprising for us. I mean, obviously we're super stoked. Um, we haven't put the legwork in <laughs> into Australia, and yet the fan, like, you know, the fan messages are pouring in. And you know, you're my ninth interview today, and everybody has has pretty much said the same thing, which is that they know lots of people who are anticipating it. Hmm. So um, it's a nice surprise, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. And I, I know Psychroptic are uh, obviously a, a good draw for you guys down there. So I'm I'm thinking the shows are going to be sick. Um, I, I'm excited for the shows. I'm really excited to see the country. I've never been to that part of the world, 
and uh, I'm interested to try the food and drink the beer and look at the landscapes and uh, you know it's uh, I love travel. So. Well, it's it's not too different. I've never been to Canada, by the way, but as I said, my sister-in-law lives there, and uh, she tells me the people are virtually the same, so, same outlook. And the interesting thing about being in Canada is being in Australia is the street names are similar too. Like you've got you talk about Victoria Island, we're very heavily influenced by the English, so. You've got George Street mm, yeah. and King Street and all of this sort of stuff. So apart from some of the architecture, you can almost close your eyes, minus the accent too, but the food is pretty similar yeah. too. The outlook on is life it? is pretty similar. Yeah, I don't think it's too different. Look, my sister-in-law basically picked up her life from, from Australia and started, she was working in Ikea here and then found a trucking mm. company to work in dispatch for, which was doing something similar at Ikea. So she can yeah. virtually live the same life without too much effort is what I'm saying as well. So I think you're going to yeah. love it, but I also think you're going to see that there are a lot of similarities. Yeah, well, that's cool. I mean, you, uh, I mean, yeah, all, all the places in the world that, you know, Britain sort of colonized, <laughs> they're, not, they're not that far apart. There's, there's a, I mean, there's very, very little difference between Canadians and Americans culturally. Um, politically, there's a lot of difference. But I won't go too deep into that. But uh, I think politically, Australia and Canada are very similar as well. So Yeah, it's an interesting time, isn't it? Because we're, we're so aware of all of the changes in the political landscape, courtesy of the internet. And then you go deeper in that, there's social media such as Twitter and the like, and everybody's got an opinion. And everybody's yeah. opinion can potentially carry an equal amount of weight. So you can be in bed at, say, 11.30 p.m., and you can tweet Trump's an arsehole or Trudeau's a prick or what have you. And unbeknownst to you, when you wake up, there's 20,000 hits on it and there's all sorts of comments and your life's changed overnight. And there's, um, yeah, sorry, you go. Yeah, and, 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 you know, one thing that I miss is back in the day when Facebook was smaller and it was just you and your buds, uh, if I liked a band or didn't like a band or I liked an album or didn't like an album, I would fucking say it, you know? Ah, this I like this band. This new album sucks. Vocals are shit, you know? Uh, and mm. now I can't do that anymore because <laughs> those people will see it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And chances are you'll run into them because if you're touring all over the world all the time, you'll run into them or you'll run into their friends or you have diehard fans that, you know, now they hate you. So you just have to... Uh, you have to be careful what you say and you have to tiptoe. And, uh, I mean, I remember when, when Trump got in, I, I, I was fucking blown away at all the racist shit that he had said. And then he had gotten voting in. I, I'd made some, I had a few beers in me. I made a post on Facebook. I was like, I can't yeah. believe America voted this guy in. And I had, I didn't realize that I had so many way right leaning fans on my page. I had right. no idea. They just came out of the woodwork and attacked me and I was like, holy shit, I thought that death metal fans were, you know, progressive and and uh like socially left leaning. Hmm. Uh but, you know, I guess we've spent a lot of time touring in the southern states and pff, fuck, I'll never make that mistake again, you know. Um Yeah, you allude to something so, really important there, which is that you can your opinion so you've made an opinion after a few bevies and God knows I've done it myself. 
And, you know, I'm yeah. a nobody, so I've woken... This is years ago, I've woken up, and there might be two or three people who have no idea have commented on it. And you sort of are in two minds. Do you delete it, or do you leave it there? Because it's it's really yeah. in context only to what you were feeling at that time. And if someone picks it up, say, 12 months or two years later, and this is happening more and more often, people are diving into people's tweets from 2014 when it oh, was a sure. vastly different political landscape then again. Yeah. And they're going, this yeah. is actually how you think. But that was four years ago, yeah. for God's sakes, and you're, yeah. you're a different person yeah. a lot of the time. Oh. I know, absolutely. You, you're watching all these political figures and, and celebrities get taken down by this, you know. And uh, yeah. I mean, I used to write brutal shit on my Facebook because just my friends would see it and it was just, you know, stupid dick and fart jokes. Because, yeah. You know, and now now my family's on this. I don't want them seeing that stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting, Different isn't world. it? You, 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 it is, yeah. You're really well known for your drumming, but because of that, you're in the public eye, so you've almost got this minor yeah. celebrity status. But you know, you know what I'm saying when I say that. I'm not, not uh, saying you're like. I don't. You know. I don't want to be. I don't like. I just. I like. I like getting positive reinforcement from fans, and I like getting constructive criticism, and I. I don't want to be pushed into the realm of, of politics. I am very political myself. I love politics. I follow them really closely, but mm-hmm. I, I've learned my lesson, and uh, you know, I. I don't want somebody hating me or hating my band because I don't believe in the same political views that they do, and mm. it's not worth the fight, you know. No, look, it's not, and and you, you're playing a style of music where, to be honest with you, it's hard enough bloody as it is, isn't it? You know, in, yeah. in terms of <laughs> yes. the, the business side of it. I mean, it's I know it's it's really great that you're coming down to Australia, but I know it's not easy because I talk to extreme metal bands all the time from. North America, and it costs a fortune to come down here, so they've got to be well yes. attended. And you don't want to be potentially yep. alienating people who love your music and who have a different yeah. political view. But you've covered that yeah. well, mate. So, so let me ask you a question about your most recent album, uh, Relentless sure. Mutation. Okay, so you're three albums in. Is that yep. album there? Is that the summary of the band's? Um, is that the logical conclusion to where the first two albums were going, or is that a bit of a departure? Do you think? Oh, no, I think that's a logical conclusion. I mean, um, you know, sometimes I, uh, I, I talk to musicians uh, who are in smaller bands or, or they're starting tech death bands or just whatever metal bands, hmm. you know, and they'll, they'll be like, well, what's, you know, how did you get started? What's a good way to get your foot in the door? And I always say the same thing, which is um, you need, to, you'll never be good at everything. Um, you know, you, everybody will have their influences, but you don't want to sound exactly like another band. So you need to figure out what you're good at and you need to work your ass off on it and, um, uh, become as good at that as you can. And that'll make your band just automatically sound unique. Hmm. And, uh, if it's unique and you, ha- you know, and you have a good ear, then you can, you can draw people in and you can have success. So what is your drumming is it's 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 rare for a drummer to be the defining characteristic of a band, okay? So in Morbid Angel, for example, Trags Agtoth is the defining characteristic of that band, even though up until recently, Pete was the drummer. But for you guys, I honestly feel, and it's not just because I'm talking to you, I do feel like you're the defining characteristic of the band. So do you do you come in with a beat or a rhythm, and is that how things start, or is it more traditional and that your guitarists um, come in? And so, so you've got Toby and Dean, I think, are the guitarists. So do they come in with a riff and go, here you go, Spencer, put something to this? No. Um, so we've always written the same way, uh, although we've become we've we've added steps to it now, and it, so it's become more sophisticated. But 
we we all get together at the jam spot and we uh, don't have anything really prepped. The only thing that that we might have prepped is I might be, hey, I got this new technique for a new blast beat. I want to use that. It's at this speed. Or they might be like, hey, I have this melody or I'm doing this string skipping technique I want to try with this melody. You know, and we'll fuck around with whatever speeds. But we write it all together in the jam spot. It changes a million times. Um, and uh, and then we we record it ourselves and we go back and we listen to it and we go, yeah, this flows well into this. This doesn't flow well. This this riff is really catchy. Maybe we should use it again. Uh, a lot of the times we write from, uh, we'll write parts based off of the vocals. It's like, hey, I've been listening to this rapper. He's really fast and does some crazy shit here. Check out the technique he's using. Why don't we write a riff around it? Um, a lot of the time, yeah, those guys will will have some melody ready to go. And then I'll be like, hey, I, I can blast the fastest to this at, at you know at this speed I give them the click track and then boom the song is just at that speed so we're we're always we're always writing like that and we're always practicing on our own trying to come up with our new sh- uh, our new techniques and mm-hmm. new creative stuff so that we can keep trying to push the boundary but the the new album definitely was us refining our writing process and and having a, a clearer idea of what we want to do and the smartest way to do it yeah I was listening to a one of your um, fellow Canadian bands actually did a review. It wasn't it wasn't very um, it wasn't very uh, effusive in my praise to be honest with you because I think what the band was doing was just trying to be as fast as they possibly could without too much melody. Like the melodies didn't seem to mesh that well. Uh, that band's called yeah. Ter- Terramobile. Do you, do you know them at all, or have you played with them? Where are they from? Canada. I'm not sure. I think they're from yeah, the other I side. Mean, yeah. It's a big place. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I wasn't I, I, in Australia. We, we've, I think we've got about the side. No, we've got less people, but most of the bands of note know each other. But I don't think they're certainly in the uh, the status that you guys have got there. But it's bloody mm. hard to be melodic and to have a groove mm. and some melody with music that you guys are doing. So I take it there's a lot of effort to ensure that the music's very listenable because I always found you guys to be listenable at the same time. It's not overwhelming like what say Portal is. Yeah, in the end, it's music. You, you're still writing music. I mean, um, you, some, sometimes with bands, just craziness works. Like we were saying, Dillinger Escape Plan, you know, like Calculating Infinity was fucking chaos and it worked. Hmm. Um, but, you know, we toured with a lot of bands and we've learned a lot from the other bands. And one of the first big bands we ever went out on the road with was uh, was Aborted. We did a tour in Europe years back with Aborted, Flesh God, and Decapitated. And we'd never toured with any big bands before, and we were blown away. And we had learned, I mean, the way that Aborted wrote riffs uh, that got the crowd moving, that got them pumped up, that... You, you know, we, we we took that like a lot of the melody that Flesh God used to used to do and stuff like that and the melodic parts and stuff and how people reacted to it. You know, we it, we just learned we were like sponges on that tour. We tried to absorb as much right. as we could. And so we still try to apply that. We we want to write catchy shit, um, but we never want to be less extreme. We don't we want to keep pushing the envelope. We don't want to be one of those bands that start slowing down and chilling out and being like, oh, we're going to write a little more sexy music now. Like, <laughs> that's cool. And I respect bands that do that. And just we don't want to do that. But we want to keep progressing and growing 
you know, we're, we're almost at the point now where we can almost do this for a living. If we stay on the road enough, uh-huh. like we don't really have to work. I was going to ask you that. So yeah. if you can, I mean, with, with this album financially, it's been completely a different ball game from the other ones. Um, and it's so much easier now. <laughs> Life is way easier. Um, and if you can keep writing stuff that appeals to a lot of people, but don't but stick to your guns, don't lose your extremeness, mm-hmm. then I think that's mission accomplished for us. And, and that's what we want to do. There is somebody that I'd love to see you guys work with in the future, and that's Eric Rutan, another Morbid Angel luminary. But I think he'd be a, a great match for you guys. I think he'd really be able to draw something different for you, something same template, but just take it to potentially yeah. the next level. I, yeah, actually, I know, I know him. I know Eric. I've uh, been down to Mana Studios and stuff. Nice. Uh, yeah, good guy, great producer. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's a possibility. We had such a nice experience with Dave Otero. Um, you know, we we recorded the first two albums at Rain City Recorders here in Vancouver, and that was, uh, you know, we were learning and. I mean, that studio had never even done a metal band before us, um, and we didn't have very much money. Yeah, yeah, we were the first metal band that we had to be like, hey, these are the bands we like. We gave them, you know, Beneath the Massacre and a Faceless CD, (laughs) and they were like, okay, we'll try to help you. (laughs) But with Otero, we, you know, I was a big cattle decapitation fan. I loved the the last two albums, and you know, we wanted to get a little bit away from that super polished mechanical sound that you know say planetary duality had Mm -hmm. uh you know uh we wanted a little bit more organic and um but still obviously tight and relentless and Mm -hmm. uh yeah and and listening to those cattle decap last two albums was okay yeah that's that's the studio that's the one to go to and you know i i I know dave mcgraw uh, a bit and i asked him you know how was it working with dave otero and he just gave nothing but absolutely rave reviews Sweet, so yeah. we, we uh yeah we had a really good experience down there and dave's a dave's a hard worker and he's got a great ear and he's really easy to get along with he's super chill he's funny hmm. he took us out shooting you know <laughs> gave us the full american american experience um, <laughs> introduced us to his family and uh oh nice yeah, showed us all craft beers. yeah so it was a good experience sweet all right, mate. Last yeah. question is the uh, the artwork on the album's phenomenal. Actually, it looked awesome on T-shirt. So that's obviously something that you spent time and thought about and really ensured that you got down pat for 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 the album here. But how important is the artwork along with the music for you? Uh, I mean, it's very important. Obviously, um, the I mean, you know, unfortunately, we still live in the world where people judge a book by its cover. And that's your cover, essentially. Uh, so if you have something lame, I mean, no matter what, you, if, you, if your music's good, you, it'll still it'll still spread. But it's another element that that helps it spread, that gets people more stoked. Um, and, and you know, such an important thing for extreme metal bands, touring extreme metal bands, is merchandise sales, oh, t-shirt God, yeah. sales, yeah. t-shirts and, and hoodies are your bread and butter, and you know, we're lucky that in the metal culture, everybody likes to wear a black metal T-shirt. Um, <laughs> so uh, you have to have art that translates well to a T-shirt and that people want. When we originally started, we had the mentality that we wanted to stay away from brutal artwork because there were so many death metal bands that had gore and skulls and shit. And we got a manager, I won't say who, but we got a manager from a big death metal band and he stepped in. 
And he said, I want to do this shirt and use this artist. And he says, you know, he's like, so what do you think of these ideas? And we're like, ah, we don't, we want to stay away from the gore and the skulls. And he's like, he's like, I know what sells. He's like, let me do one shirt design for this next tour. And then you can make your mind up. So we thought, ah, fuck it. Okay. So the shirt design was, it was based off the lyrics, but it was a fucking monster shredding a bunch of zombies apart. And there was blood and gore and it was a big full color print. And I mean, this shirt just sold, outsold everything else. (laughs) It was like, ah, so this is how you do it. So we totally changed our mentality and we realized this, you know, your guarantee that you make from the promoter is not how you're going to survive. It's your t-shirt sales. Yeah. Uh, So having an album cover that people want to wear on a t-shirt and that they like and they want to spread on the internet is so important to your survivability. Um, So, uh, yeah, that's... uh, that's the lesson that we learned, and uh, I mean, you with every big successful band that plays extreme music, you'll probably see that same formula again and again. Yeah, agreed, yeah. mate. All right, I better let you go. I think my time's up. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that was a conversation with Spencer Pruitt, the drummer in Canadian tech death superstars, Archspire. Thank you so much for listening.